You're listening to We, we, we the Aether Podcast with host Adam Evans, within and without. Welcome. So thanks for taking the time to join me today and have this chat. Uh, I know we've been trying to organize it for a while with your colleagues, so it's good that we finally got around to doing this. Um, if you don't mind just taking a moment to introduce yourself, uh, what it is you're involved with, and um, that way for anyone that's not listening, they can kind of get up to speed. Sure, yeah. Uh, absolutely a pleasure to be on this interview. So my name's uh, Neeraj, also known as the Renegade Pharmacist. Um, I'm actually from the UK, but I've been traveling around the world, uh, living in different places for the last few years as a digital nomad. <laughs> I've been one of those for the last like seven or eight years now. So um, it's been a great lifestyle compared to what I used to have, which was as a, a pharmacist working in the community many years ago. And that was where I really got my taste of what it's like to work in a very, very, very broken system, very um, obviously uh, driven by profit and little care for really obviously little care for the end consumer because they wouldn't promote half the stuff they did if they really, um, really did have the heart and soul in there. So I spiritually was broken for many years and as people do, uh, they tend to, um, you know, take it out uh, on the weekends with uh, uh, recreational uh, substances, which I did for many years as well. I was actually really into music. I always wanted to be a music uh, DJ. I ran, I used to run big raves. That was my first business. I actually ran in 2000 capacity raves for like three years and um, it was very successful. But then, um, unfortunately, it all caved in. That's a whole long story, but I ended up having to go back to my old degree as a pharmacist. And, um, and then what happened was I was so dissatisfied with my career that I felt like I wanted to do something about it, but I was so frustrated. I had no idea what to do to help patients. They were going away with literally shopping bags full of drugs and nobody seemed to be getting better. Like, you know, it seemed to be people getting worse and then going on a conveyor belt of drugs. So I actually became very depressed and I got dragged kicking and screaming to a Tony Robbins event. Um, which was, this was in 2007, UPW or something like that. And I actually had no idea what was in store for me. Like I just thought it was some rah-rah guru nonsense. But actually it turned out to be a, a blessing in disguise. And on the last day, he talks all about health. For the first time I ever heard anyone talk about how you can um, improve your health through diet and nutrition. So I thought this is a cool uh, way to help my patients if I um, try and apply some of this knowledge in the pharmacy. So basically I came up with a concept to give healthy shopping lists to patients based on their conditions. And I did very well. I got loads of patients off drugs and stuff. I got fired for my first job because uh, I was mismanaging the pharmacy. But then I actually got promoted to the head office of one of the biggest corporations in the world who really loved my healthy shopping this concept they were ready to implement it however about six months into it they also found it it was too renegade that's when i first got labeled as a renegade because uh, it was quite controversial I was telling people not to eat sugar and to eat more healthy fats and these things were not really mainstream knowledge now they are but the government were still telling us about low fat being the way forward and most of the low fat meals that you see on the market are full of sugars and artificial sweeteners because as soon as you take the fat out the food tastes like shit so they put sweeteners into it and to make it taste better so low fat foods unfortunately they make you fatter they make you unhealthier so i was doing all this stuff to get people off these these processed foods and basically my my simple plan was to get people to eat normal foods i mean you'd be surprised how many people just eat uh, ready meals, processed meals, factory meals, cereals, things that come in a packet. And I was trying to get people to actually cook their own foods for a change. And that, unfortunately, would have made an impact on a um, big mainstream company's bottom line because most of their profit comes from factory foods. That's where the big profit margins are. So eventually I, that got um, shelved. And I became so disillusioned. I was like, I've lost all hope for humanity. 
There was no such thing as God. I lost all my spiritual connection. And boom, that's when I got sick. I got this chronic illness um, called osteoclitis, and I was housebound for a year. I was literally shitting blood 40 times a day. And literally, I surrendered to the healthcare system. I thought, well, screw this. I'm just going to, I just gave up all hope. So I actually followed the, the consultant's advice, and the consultant told me, and this is the funny thing, actually, because I thought I was living at the time a fairly healthy lifestyle. Like I was following a practically a vegan diet. I was eating a lot of raw vegan type foods. And what I realized actually in now, well, in the last several years, was actually that all of this fanaticism about diet is also bad news because there's no one size fits all. I was following a so-called healthy diet. However, that diet really isn't good for people with colitis. A raw vegan diet is terrible for people with ulcerative colitis. And there's, there's no such thing as one size fits all. There's vegan diets aren't for everyone. Raw food is definitely not for everyone. And carnivore diets are not for everyone. And anyone who says fanatically that this is the way it should be is a moron in my opinion. And they're trying to sell shit and they're, they're religious. And that's where the big problem is. And any kind of ism in the world is where all the big problems are called. Any kind of isms, right? Veganism. The word is, is the biggest crime against humanity because we ha nobody has a right to say anything is anything, except for the only thing we can probably say is that there is no right or wrong for, you know, when it comes to diet, lifestyles, nutrition, all of these things. Because what's good for one person may be completely wrong for another based on many different factors. So anyway, I learned all of this stuff the hard way. Um, and that's when um, they say that God stands for gift of desperation, right? And I was so desperate because the, the consultant told me um, the diet has no influence on your health. And obviously, like, I was getting really sick. So I thought, yeah, that she's right. Um, then she says stress doesn't have any impact on your health and many other factors. And what I was actually was I was, although I didn't think I was that stressed, I was actually very excited. But what I had stored up was a lot of hatred for, you, for, the, for, for society and a lot of anger against corporations and all this, which builds up like an inner fire. So there was many other things, many other factors. As you also said, like the only prescription, the only uh, a solution for what you got is medication for the rest of your life. And now that none of these medications are working anymore, you can either be a guinea pig for a drug that hasn't been tested yet or have your colon removed. So the only two options that doctors give you is surgery or medication, right? And that's for most cases. Back then, which is 2011, like the first line treatment has pretty much always been medicine. It pretty much still is, although it's started to change a little bit now. So anyway... That's when I was like, no way, man, I'm not having my colon removed. And I really don't want to be taking a, a drug that hasn't been tested before because people die on that stuff. And you have to sign like waivers and all that. Anyway, so then luckily came into the rescue this very dear friend of mine now, Swami Ambikananda, who runs an amazing yoga school in the UK. And she basically said to me, look, you, with your background, with your tenacity, your, your care and your spiritual nature you, and your scientific background, if you can hear yourself, you're going to be an amazing role model to other people, you know, um, if you can heal yourself without the drugs. And that kind of like lit up a fire inside because I was like, it gave me a sense of hope that maybe there is another path. And she basically said, look, the foundations of yoga, pranayama and Ayurveda, if you go deep on it, this should help you. So she taught me the foundations of it. And in Ayurveda, it very clearly states that when there's a spiritual disturbance inside the body where your inner, inner world has stopped becoming aligned with your outer world, okay, that's when disease occurs. And that you need to make peace with the present situation in order to restore balance. And they prescribe a diet based on your energy type, your body type, your um, phenotype, basically, your your how you look, how you appear, how you think, how you talk, is a, is, a, is a type of energy. 
So you work it out. It's called the Dorsha system. And then you can work out what's the right foods for you. And I realized very quickly that raw vegan diet, terrible, like the worst for, for my types of energy, which is vata, air, air energy types. And I also am a, I'm a mix between air and fire. And that's a recipe for colon problems. So, you know, all of this is inside Ayurveda. It even states that these are the types of things you're going to be more prone to get when you're under stress. And they talk about like stress a lot and how stress comes from this inner world being misaligned with the outer world. And the yoga is the system, the philosophy of bringing alignment back in. And the, the techniques for doing that start with pranayama, breath, to correct the physiology from a core level and through correcting the physiology, it has a knock-on effect on your, how you feel, your emotions, which then has an effect on your thoughts, your decisions, which then lead to better actions and then results in your life. So I created a system out of all these things you taught me. And I healed myself within a few months. I also discovered that music is a powerful uh, tool for, um, for that as well. So I went back into my love for music. I found a purpose for music rather than all the hedonism and um, many things like that. So then I ended up like creating a business around my passion. Um, I started making therapeutic music for therapists and healers and yogis and all this stuff. I never believed that I was still of that level that I could go out and coach people. And I was also a little bit in disbelief that this stuff worked so fast. So I, I basically put my sole intention into finding science, because I'm very left brain as well and analytical, to prove why these techniques work so that I didn't appear like a crazy lunatic to all these left brain people we have in society. And because the only way I could influence people is through science. So I set on a mission to put as much science to these holistic techniques from, from India and like shamanistic techniques from like Russia and places like that. And then I created my own system called Soma and it became very successful. In the last year or so, we've grown really successfully and it's basically based on pranayama and pranayama being the, um, the foundation, the, the system for creating massive change, state change, physiological state change in the body to um, invoke like healing responses, to invoke um, you know, massive change in the body. You know? So that's basically been my work the last year. And, and we've also branched into health coaching and, and helping people who've got chronic health issues, especially people with gut problems, because usually the first thing that breaks down in people is the digestive system. And you may not be aware of it, but the symptoms are quite apparent. And that's the first warning sign. There's, there's a spiritual disturbance in the body and we need to correct that. So I try to grab people before it's too late and then give them a system and a lifestyle that's designed to, to get them back into shape. Yeah. And I, I suppose you kind of answered my follow-up question there was how you got the name, the renegade pharmacist, but it was after that second position you held and they were just like, this guy's a little bit too out there for us. So I guess that's when it started to form, right? And now what do you think causes people to get in a situation where they're not doing enough? They're not examining themselves enough. They're not looking at their gut health. They're not looking at their spiritual practice or their meditative practice or anything that they can do outside of just going to a pharmacist, going to a doctor and just getting them to, you know, write you a little prescription pad and then walking out with a bag full of pills. What do you think is the main obstacle that people are facing when it comes to, do you think it's just the fact that it's so readily available, so quick and accessible that people can go and just get these medications? The fact that they're on TV in between, you know, on commercials and they're just like, go to your pharmacist. You can go get this really quick. It'll solve your thing. And then the fact that, it's almost like it is completely overlooked all the negative side effects. And if you listen to them at the end of commercials, they're absolutely insane. Um, so what do you think it is that that really causes people to it really just blur the side effects, really just completely blur doing all that. It's it almost like it takes work, but do you think that it's because it's, it's such, such an easy decision, so readily available and presented to us in our society 
in such a way that we can just go into a pharmacy or go into a doctor? I'm, I'm just wondering what your take is, because you had dealt with some of those people coming from that position, that state that they would be in, mental state. And I understand what you're saying about the gut. I, I often call the gut the second brain because it does control in large part the decisions we make in the world. I mean, there's so many uh, microorganisms in there that, you know, they basically are decision makers in a lot of, a lot of cases. So a yes. lot of people are just kind of moving about the world being guided by their gut. So why do you think people get in this, in this state of being? And what do you think is the easiest way or the first step they could take to kind of snap out of it, you know, and, and start to go in a different direction? You know, I think of navigating a big ship in an ocean, you just need to make a slight adjustment of course, and you can have, you can have exponentially amazing results, you know, down the road. But to make that a first adjustment, I'm just wondering what hindrances you think people have from, from doing so, and, and what do you think they could do to make that little, little shift? So it's a great question, and I actually think there's a multiple factors. So first one is that we're all brainwashed. Okay, So the moment we're, we're um, born, we're bombarded with um, marketing messages from advertising, from the media, all telling us, you know, like you just said, like, the drugs are the front line. There's a pill for every ill. When there's not, there's an ill following every pill, not a pill following every, uh, you know, not a pill for every ill. So at the moment, you know, the front line that we are given uh, from doctors is medication, okay, which we know is full of side effects. However, we trust the medical establishment because these are people who have gone to university, they've gone and studied for years. They should really be super well trained to make you better however you just need to follow the money and you'll see very quickly that the doctor's education is is bought by drug companies they they control everything down to the studies right that they that that um there's research done uh based on what the medications they prescribe so that's one big problem we trust the people who are actually as ignorant as the patients okay if not more right? Totally indoctrinated. Okay. So there's a massive indoctrination going on for corporate greed and profit. Wall Street greed, I call it, that drives everything or the London city of London greed drives the economy around the world. Then there's also just general um, ignorance and busyness. I would say people a little bit like on, on I think on a large scale, are either too busy, right, where they're like, oh, I know it's hurting a bit, but I haven't got time to do anything about it. So then they, they don't do anything and then it's too late. Or they simply uh, are just too lazy to do anything about it. They just say, oh, I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered. There's a lot of apathy, man, in the world. Because people have been kicked in the gut, man, so many times. Kicked in the gut. Every time you get kicked in the gut, the gut is where you create, it's your creative force, it's your digestive fire. Every time you get kicked in the gut, you get more and more knocked back, and you get what I call gut depression. Gut de like most of the serotonin is produced in your gut. So when that serotonin is disrupted because you've been kicked in the gut emotionally so many times, the gut stops producing serotonin properly. And you can get one or two, you can get constipation, or you can get actually run the runs and diarrhea and things like that. And you can get a combination of the two. And then we call it things like IVS. You get bloating or the gas and all that. But a lot of it is down to disruption in the gut motility because of the serotonin depression. I, this is one thing I'm really deep on at the moment. And in doing so, the digestion isn't happening properly. There's not enough fire, not enough energy being produced. So people are apathetic. They haven't got energy. They haven't got drive, motivation anymore. And they, they, the self-love goes. So there's a lot of lack of self-love and self-care that's going on in the world due to just being constantly kicking the gut by things that's not working out. You know, emotional stresses, bosses that are bullying them, relationships that are not working, mortgages that are just in, impossible to, to, to pay, right? So that's another side. And I think the way to solve this problem is is stuff like what we're doing right now, these, these talks. And we need, what I did in the pharmacy was I gave people very simple analogies that they could understand. I'd be like, firstly, I'd be like, look, do you really want to be taking 10 different drugs every single day? 
like and most people are like no actually you'd be surprised there's quite a few people also are like they prefer the pills and they they didn't like me giving them alternative solutions they'd rather take the pills okay they they just are very indoctrinated but ma majority of people actually didn't want to take the pills because they knew they were giving them side effects and they actually were often feeling worse than the condition they went in for to the doctor and quite often here's the big problem is that actually all they did was go in for a health check checkup now the health checkups are the the crime against humanity i'm not kidding all right there are only given one time there's only a few million people right who are actually really sick and need proper medical attention most people are healthy okay most people are pretty healthy right however they go for a health checkup the annual health checkup they go and get their blood pressure taken, right? And this is where the big problem happens. There is no average blood pressure, okay? Like, believe it or not, Gandhi, guess what his blood pressure was, okay, for most of his life? Gandhi, who was this super mm -hmm. yogi, superhuman dude. It would be low and be like yeah. moderate, right? But who knows? No, it was 200 over 100. It was super high. For, well, he had mega high blood pressure. But what did Gandhi die of in his 80s? I, I don't know. Was it heart disease? No, he died of a bullet to his head. Really? Okay. He was perfectly healthy. So what's high blood pressure okay. was maybe would kill somebody else, right? So there's no one size fits all. Just imagine if they started giving Gandhi drugs. They could have killed his spirit, right? So he didn't obviously take any medication, even though all the doctors were like worried about him because his blood pressure was so abnormally high. So this is the problem right so they they put everyone into a box that this is your average blood pressure 120 over 80 so if you go slightly over it right almost guaranteed the doctor's going to give you a pill right? almost guaranteed they're going to start putting you on a low dose uh, beta block or something right now that is where the problem happens because within a year or two the cascade of drugs comes in because that beta blocker influences the chemistry in the body that then causes side effects and then more pills come in, okay? Another classic example is cholesterol, right? There's many people who have high, high, super high cholesterol, never die of heart disease. There's many people with very low cholesterol who die of heart disease because they're not producing enough of the, the, the cholesterol that actually is what makes cells, okay? The, the brain is 60% cholesterol. So, you know, so quite often, you're slightly over on your cholesterol and the doctor's giving you a pill, right? And there's a 50% chance of getting diabetes a year after taking statins. You've got 50% more chance of getting diabetes. Here we go. Now we're on a cascade of, of drugs. It's so sick. It's so horrible. So um, the doctors are ignorant. They have no idea what they're doing. They're just totally indoctrinated. They're so busy. They're overworked, overwhelmed, and stuff like that. So, so there is now like a real urgent need for humans to become knowledgeable about their health from people they trust. This is a quick way to find out who to trust. Has that person like gone through some health problem and cured themselves without the, the conventional treatments? And do they embody and represent somebody who's healthy? That's just one of the classic ways. And then compare it to your doctor, right? <laughs> My doctor, who was my gut, gut um, uh, uh, consultant when I had ulcerative she was this super obese, overweight woman who looked like she had the worst gut health going. And that's who we put our, our um, faith into, which is crazy. So what we need to do is to start waking up out of this trance. So this is what SOMA is about. We call one of our programs The Awakening because it really wakes you up to the, what the fuck is going on in the world. To the truth and you start to see things more rationally and with a conscious mind and you start to see all the bullshit that's going on now this can be scary for some people so we have a very good um community that helps people <laughs> when you start to realize the bullshit and you stop trusting everything and that you hear from the government it's a lot it's a little bit controversial but we need to do it desperately man like otherwise we're we're fucked i'm serious like if we trust the government for our healthcare and we trust them for um, financial planning and stuff like this, 
we're screwed. Very simple rules I follow. Find people who are setting the example of what you want to follow and do what they do. All right, that's, it's just simple. Mm -hmm. No, it uh, makes sense, yeah. yeah. It's almost as if your, your soma breathing technique is, it's really lifting the veil and allowing that critical thinking, thinking to come through, allowing yes. people to make really smart, well-educated decisions for themselves rather than just you know, nodding their head and accepting yes. conventional norms that have, that have been come to understood over the past, well, geez, several decades. Um, so I wanted to get into uh, deep breathing for better sleep, because I also think sleep is something that's not being addressed enough in the mainstream. And it's when you do the bulk of your recovery. It's when you do a lot of, uh, a lot of your cognitive stuff happens there, your ability to, to learn, recall, uh, a lot of brain uh, repair is really done in your sleep. So I find a lot of people are neglecting sleep. Aside from that, they're starting to introduce, you know, these devices everywhere huh. right and, and putting it next to their head they're starting to use sleep trackers on their wrists they're starting all sorts of different interferences that are taking us further and further away from a natural state from a natural way of being so i want to uh, i want you to quickly touch on how breath work and even breath work before bed can help down regulate the system and even if you have any experience uh, with discussions you've held about removing some of these devices turning off the wi-fi eliminating some of these signal disturbances so that we can get a better deep night night sleep, recover better, better, and then allow us to have that capacity for critical thinking the next day. Because I think that's, that's really where a lot of the groundwork happens. It's, it's in the sleep hours and it's just not really being talked about or considered. I think sleep is this thing that people don't really think about. Like, what's a dream? What are we doing? Like, no, no one really explores this outside of if you get into uh, shamanism and some of these other practices and modalities that really do explore this stuff and have a better appreciation and understanding of it. So if you don't mind just touching on how, how breath work can help aid uh, in the quality of, of one's sleep. Brilliant question, man. So basically, as you, you just mentioned, like it's so important for your brain health. Okay, what's the three biggest emerging diseases that we're having and suffering from? Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, dementia. Okay, degenerative brain disease. Now, when you sleep, okay, we have, okay, a, um, a bath for the brain, which is called the cerebrospinal fluid, right? And what it does is it, it basically gets rid of excess toxins and the certain proteins called beta amyloid, right, which forms plaques and degenerates the brain. Now, majority of this drainage and cleaning basically cleaning out all the shit from the brain, okay, happens at night when you sleep. It also happens when you breathe. When you inspire and expire, it has a, a movement of the cerebrospinal fluid, okay? So, however, most of the actual cleaning process happens at night, okay? Now, if you're not getting proper sleep, if you're not getting enough sleep, if you're um, waking up many times during the night or things like that, you're going to get a buildup of this protein and that's going to lead to these degenerative pro uh, problems. Now, now certain people, are, and this is according to Ayurveda, um, certain people are going to be prone to different diseases, right? But the mechanism of the disease is pretty much always the same. It's like the, the buildup of toxins in the body leads to disease or lack of blood flow leads to disease, okay? But that disease where it occurs in your body is down to your energy types. So, but we can very easily prevent these brain problems, okay, by getting adequate sleep, okay? That's one way. Another way is also with certain breathing practices, which I'll talk about, which flushes the cerebrospinal spinal fluid, okay? Which um, rapidly cleanses it. It's actually good for the whole lymphatic system. In fact, breathing, the act of breathing, actually helps clean the lymphatic system, which is amazing. Right, so how do we get to sleep? Okay, now, the foundation of what we do in Soma is rhythmic breathing, okay? The cornerstone of yoga is rhythm, right? Now, every single rhythm in the body, okay? And we are uh, we're run by rhythms, okay? We have the infradian rhythm, ultradian rhythm, circadian rhythm, like the sleep-wake cycle. They're all rhythmical, okay? They're all subservient to the rhythm of breath, okay? So breath is one thing that can run on autopilot, 
but it's also something we have conscious control over. So the yogis realize that we can tap in to all the other functions in the body through the rhythm of breath. So by modulating the rhythm of breath, we can influence our autonomic nervous system, which controls all these other rhythms. So the autonomic nervous system has sympathetic nervous system, parasympathetic nervous system. Okay. Now we can switch on either side based on what we want to do. Right. Okay. Now, obviously when we want to sleep, we want to switch on the parasympathetic. So when you breathe out, you stimulate the parasympathetic. When you breathe in, you stimulate the sympathetic. So when you breathe out longer than you breathe in, okay, you switch on the parasympathetic. So we've produced this rhythmic breathing. It's very healing, very powerful, great thing to do before you sleep, which is a four in and eight out rhythm. So you breathe in. So imagine there's a beat like this. So you go in, two, three, four, out, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So you go like this. Now I have an app right on here. It's called the Sweet Beach HRV app. And what it does is it measures a unique thing about it is it measures. I haven't got it attached, but it measures on the stats, the LF and HF. Okay. Like, um, we'll see on there. There's no values there at the moment, but you can see LF and HF, right? The LF is your power of your sympathetic nervous system. HF is the power of your, um, parasympathetic. So, what happens, you'll see, as you do this rhythmic breathing, it dramatically switches, and the power of your parasympathetic switches on, and the LF goes down. And you get this ratio, which is below one. So the HF is higher than the LF. And you'll notice a change in your state. You'll feel more vasodilation happen. You will actually um, start to feel like more relaxed like very relaxed and you may even start to yawn and feel sleepy now if you if you add in this one mantra i command my subconscious mind to go into deep sleep and wake up feeling refreshed and energized at and you just even say a number like at a time the next morning you just repeat that you will literally program your brain to wake up the next day at that time it's crazy and you will act it's like self-hypnosis and you'll wake up feeling refreshed and energized because you're going to deep sleep. It's incredible. You can also use this as a healing tool. So you can, you can use it to visualize energy coming in, healing and lights coming in, and then breathing out anything that doesn't serve you. And you just do that. And it actually also has a healing, dramatic healing effect. So we use this and recommend it as a meditation. You do it for about 10, 11 minutes, switches on your parasympathetic, and you'll be really relaxed and you can go to sleep. All right? So that's, that's the, the way to get to sleep. So there's a couple of other ways. Now, breathing is very funny, right? Uh, we don't know much about it, but there's some really interesting things about it that will blow your mind, okay? During the day, at any one time, okay, you, you will breathe more predominantly through one or left nostril or the right nostril. Now, the yogis somehow knew this. I don't know how, but they knew this right? thousands of years ago. And we can show it now scientifically that when you breathe through your left nostril, you activate the right hemisphere in the brain. When you breathe through the right nostril, you activate the, the, the left hemisphere. Now, your left hemisphere deals with active waking processes, right? Like action, energy, doing things, fire, digestion action right all the things that you don't want switched on when you want to go to sleep the right side of the brain is the dreamy creative like uh, side of the brain it's the um the side which you want to be in if you want to be creative and dream and be imaginative right but it's not it's not the state you want to be in if you want to like do an interview right now and be in the flow and talk you know with conviction and be able to like 
uh, like concentrate and do things that requires like left brain analytical thinking. So here's the thing. You can actually switch on either side of the brain by changing the flow that you're predominantly breathing through. Now, when you go to sleep, okay, all you need to do is to sleep on the right side. If you sleep on the right side, okay, what will happen is you actually send more blood flow to the right side of the brain because I think because of the gravity, right? You will actually wake up the, the left nostril. You'll feel it. You can just do this test at home tonight and then you'll fall asleep much easier. If you sleep on the left side, you're stimulating the, the fire, the fire side. So then you're going to not get out of sleep very well. So simply switching sides is enough. All right. You could even do the four in, four out breath. Uh, sorry, four, out, four in, eight out breath. By holding your right nostril shut and just breathing through your left nostril. You could even do it lying down on your right side. And just give that in a, a, a go and you'll see how easy you fall asleep tonight and how refreshed you feel the next morning. Mm -hmm. What you're saying there actually sounds interesting. I've heard that if you sleep on one side, it will aid in digestion more, which I guess would be more on that on the fire uh, side yes. of diabetic, which you're, what you're referring to, versus the other side that would be the opposite. Uh, now the right side, I think it actually was, if you sleep on the left, it would aid in, in digestion. Um, so that's very interesting. And it's good for digestion, but you shouldn't be eating too late at night as well. Yeah, sometimes it's just with me, I, I do intermittent fasting, time-restricted eating. So sometimes I have just a brief little window and uh, yeah, it's right before like an hour before bed in some cases, even half hour before bed that I have to squeeze in that food. Usually I won't go anything too heavy during that time. It has to be like things will break down really easily. Um, I've even done things where I've woken up in the middle of the night and had cottage cheese because it, it digests really easily. And I do that if I need to pick up extra protein, if I'm not doing fasting, uh, and also if I need to put on a bit of size, um, oh. I find that the, the cottage cheese helps quite a bit, uh, very mm -hmm. easy on the system. Um, nice. interesting. What you'd mentioned there, it's almost likened to uh, Kundalini yoga as well with the left and right nostril. I practice some of that. And even they get into some of actual body movements where they'll do rotations as you're breathing yeah. you know, side to side. So it's very interesting how you get into that. And when you were creating Soma, did you, did you take certain aspects of other uh, modalities and, and bring them into to your approach? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I um, have trained in many different things. So what I did was I just, I always keep going back to yoga because yoga just has everything you need. You don't need to go too deep. But the shamanic techniques from Russia, Siberia are super powerful. So there's a use of that. The brainwave therapy from binaural beats, and uh, I call it tripnoral with the, the stuff that I, the technology I've created is called tripnoral. And um, and I've also actually, you know, like a good friend of mine is Wim Hof. So mm -hmm. I spend time with him and, you know, gone deep, and he uses the, he's very inspired by yoga as well. So, you know, and I've spent time with some amazing supernatural people, man. So, you know, like from the self-hypnosis stuff, my one of my very close friends is Marissa Peer. She's one of the top hypnotherapists in the world. And, you know, so I've learned, I've been very fortunate. I've learned from the best of the best in their field. You know, when it comes to like communication, attraction, influence, there's this guy called Uri Geller, who was the, the world's most famous psychic at one point. In the 70s, he was probably the most famous man on the planet. His best man at his wedding was Michael Jackson. And, you know, he amassed a massive fortune and he bent spoons of his mind. And anyway, forget all the, that stuff, but he's a super powerful manifesto. Like he, he's got amazing abilities to influence and communicate and all this stuff. And he's like one of my mentors, my friends. You know? So from that aspect through to yoga, through to working with Wim and, and I was like the host of his events and doing a lot with music and producing music and going deep on music technology and therapy. I just, I think created a very powerful system that helps you customize programs to yourself, to who, who you are. So it's not like a one size fits all thing. It's like much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what you were saying at the beginning is that it's not just one, one approach suits everyone. 
and then people do have to experiment a bit and see what works best for them, obviously. I mean, there's a few principles that I believe are very useful um, for almost everyone, which is, so in Ayurveda, there's certain things um, that do work for everyone, okay? That, that work for every dosha, they help. One of them is ghee. Ghee is clarified butter. It's like pure uh, butter from uh, cows, right? Cow milk. So, I mean, that's a big taboo thing. Like, oh my God, the vegans are going to hate me for that. But actually, it's very, very good for your health. Your it's very good for cleansing toxins out of the system. You know, so essential oils are really important. So another one is olive oil. Like, I think olive oil, everyone should have loads of olive oil. I live in Spain right now. I have loads of olive oil every day in abundance. I have ghee every day in abundance. You know, um, I also think there's uh, certain things like what you're talking about, fasting, that um, work for everyone. You know, like you don't have to go hardcore and do these crazy long fasts, but a bit of intermittent fasting a day is really useful. Um, having a day off from food each week, just one day is another way to do it, or two days even. My, my uh, grandma used to do it as part of the Hindu thing, according to the lunar cycles and stuff. Um, and she lived pretty healthy to a long age. You know, many, many people who practice these old like, rituals, they tend to benefit. It's the people who have gone off those rituals in India who, who have gone into like, the McDonald's lifestyle who die younger you know, than they should. Um, so there's very interesting, there's all this intermittent fasting, all of this stuff that we're now uh, making popular is, this was done thousand years, it's part of yoga. It's like part of the Ayurvedic system. And there's certain habits like just moving, like moderate, low moderate exercise every day. Yoga is one of those static contraction exercises. I think everyone can benefit from that. You know, drinking uh, water when you wake up, rehydrating yourself, breathing correctly, are things that you can everyone can benefit from you know so yeah. i could actually show you the the breathing technique for cleaning the brain i think is super important and it basically so when you do rhythmic breathing okay when you breathe in okay, you actually send cerebral spinal fluid up and when you breathe out it drains so deep belly breathing taking full inspirations. But maintaining that flow, it's all about that flow. And keeping that rhythm is really good for cleansing the brain, right? But what it also does, you do it for long enough, okay? Like how we prescribe it in Soma, you create a state called coherence. It has to be rhythmical though. It's not so much about the depth, but it's more about the rhythm. And what it does is it optimizes blood flow from your heart to your brain. It creates a state called coherence, which actually harmonizes your physiology, all right? It can harmonize um, your parasympathetic and sympathetic and bring it into balance. The balancing breath. So a soma is all about creating balance. Wim Hof method, which is amazing, is for generating fire. It's for people who are lacking in energy and drive and motivation and depression, maybe. You know, Wim's whole thing is against depression, right? And the cold water is really good for that. And it's great for great creating inner fire so you can get into the ice baths. Whereas not good for everyone. Some people are already very fiery and don't need that. So Spasoma is more universal. It's more of a daily thing that brings you into balance. It restores balance in people. And that's what my focus is it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I like the way you describe the Wim's method and how, how it brings brings that fire. It's, it's interesting. I've done a lot of cold therapy as well. I did um, an ice plunge this winter uh, into Lake Ontario, and that's probably the coldest I've, I've ever been. I was just surrounded by ice, and I did that breath work. And I've done, uh, for the, actually, for the first month of the year, January, I did cold showers every morning. I found that to be very invigorating, actually, in terms of elevating my mood throughout the entire day. It's in, no matter what would come in, stress, whatever, it was just, it was completely dissipated because I had done this cold shower and I even found uh, it reduced my inflammation because I do a lot of strength training, powerlifting. Sometimes my joints will ache and you know, this and that. So the cold showers really eliminated a lot of those, those uncomfortable feelings and those joint pops and aches and things like that. So 
Um, yeah, I think the breath is just super powerful. But have you done anything with saunas? I haven't done too much with saunas. Most of my, them are uh, my, accessible for me right now. Yeah, my big thing is a sauna. Like the sauna has equal benefits, okay? Like go into a sauna for about 15, 20 minutes, right? Three times boosting growth hormone, okay? It's amazing for your cardiovascular health. Mm-hmm. It's a detoxer, especially if you take like niacin and do a niacin flush with the sauna. It's amazing for your health, right? Not everyone can handle it, but but mm-hmm. even just doing the sauna without any of that is amazing for cleansing the body. I do it almost every other day, right? Um, and the breathing practices in the sauna. So the power of meditation is dramatically enhanced by the sauna. And if you do two, four rhythms, two in, four out, extend exhalation, this is a cooling breath. It cools the nervous system down. So that's what, what parasympathetic nervous system um, actually cools the body down. Sympathetic heats the body up. So you don't want to be doing Wim Hof style breathing in a sauna because you're going to create too much heat. So the cooling breath, the opposite style, two, four rhythms, which is what we really promote in Soma because it calms the nervous system down. It switches off stress. is crazy good in the sauna because it makes you actually last longer in the sauna. You've got to be careful. I actually got into a trance doing like this two, four rhythm. And I ended up staying in the sauna at like 85 degrees centigrade for 40 minutes. And I was pretty, pretty cooked at the end of it. There's, do you know Ben Greenfield? You heard of him? Yeah, yeah, I'm familiar with a lot of his work. Yeah, so I did a sauna session with him um, in Tallinn in Estonia. And the sauna went up to 90 degrees plus. We ended up doing 30 minutes and we were doing a lot of toning, like, oh, mm-hmm. I could talk a lot about toning because that comes a lot from the Siberian um, Tuvan tradition as well. But in, 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 uh, in, in the yoga tradition, we have Aum, the sacred chant of Aum, which is actually a vibration. Ah, ooh, mm. When you say ah, ah, what it does is it stimulates the endocrine glands of the creative uh, region, which is your digestive glands, and your sex uh, hormones. And actually, that R, which is a beginning letter of Om, comes from Brahma. Ah. Brahma is the creator, the god of creator. So all of the gods, the Vedic gods, are all basically metaphors. Okay, They coded the secrets of the universe in, in, in the sutras. Okay, But People took them out of context and turned it into religions, but really it was all rituals to pass down knowledge. But the next one, Vishnu, which is all about the heart. Vishnu is the heart. The reincarnation of Vishnu is Krishna, who is all about heart. Okay. Vishnu, ooh, the second syllable. Ah, ooh, ooh. You feel that vibration in your heart. If you just do it, ooh, you can feel it in your heart. That stimulates the, the endocrine glands in your heart, okay, and your thymus glands, which is to do with your immune system as well. And um, then the next one is, mm, mm, which is Shivam, Shivam, mm, or Mahesha. Mm. So when you go, mm, and make that humming sound, you actually stimulate the third eye. So by doing a chant in the sauna of like, you can draw up this life force energy up through the body, stimulate the third eye, and you're taking away this powerful sexual energy and this creative life force and using it for a higher purpose. So what the yogis would do, these tantric yogis, so tantra, tantra basically, the first word tan means body. So tantra is all the, all the, it's like biohacking, it's all the, methods it's all methods techniques yoga is a philosophy tantra is the techniques the methods okay so um when you do like this technique what you're doing is you're taking sacred sexual life force energy and moving it up to a higher purpose so if you like tantra is all about preserving sexual energy and using it for a higher purpose and because the sexual energy is it's not all about that but it's part of it right but it's all about manifesting and moving energy around the body for various purposes, okay? Like magic. Magic in, in Tantra is about creating something out of nothing, all right? So 
you can literally become super inspired because inspiration, the word inspire actually comes from the Latin root meaning um, espiritu, breath. Spiritual actually means to breathe. And inspire means to, to be, you know, the word inspire means to have thought, to have inspired thought, have like a higher vibration of thought where you can be more creative, right? When you're suddenly inspired and those inspirations can go and change the world, right? But what you can do, you can become very inspired by taking in the breath um, moving the energy up and then breathing in and that sends up energy you keep doing that as a pattern right you're that's tantra and you're moving this energy up for a higher purpose and over time what that does remember what i said about the cerebral spinal fluid you're moving cerebral spinal fluid up you're bringing up this energy, life force, and then moving it down. You're cleaning the brain at the same time. Do this in a sauna. It transforms the power of meditation to another level. And the power of self-hypnosis is super charged. Like manifesting, in my opinion, like this art of creating magic and law of attraction, all that stuff, is just self-hypnosis. You're hypnotizing yourself by programming your brainstem, the region of the brain that deals with your awareness of the world and you're changing the filters of the information that comes to you and by modulating the filters you can literally tune into the frequency of the reality you want to create this is magic this is the tantric magic that they're trying to let us know but it really depends on preserving sexual energy not wasting it it's really good if you have a life partner that you can do these practices with and Doing it as a couple is very powerful. You generate so much oxytocin, right? And oxytocin is the, 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 uh, the hormone that is magic. That's the magical hormone. And it has been shown in many studies that it has the most powerful effect on neurogenesis in the brain. So sex magic, which is what Alistair Crowley created, which is just basically tantric techniques, um, it was all about manifesting stuff by using sexual energy, all right? And he was a famous magician of uh, 19th century, but basically the idea was that by cultivating sexual energy, what we're doing is we're choosing massive amounts of oxytocin and feel-good hormones, right? That actually enhances neurogenesis. So what that means is just by through intention, and this has also been shown in studies, that the power of intention right, combined with oxytocin, creates traumatic change of the brain. And in order for your life to change, you must change your brain. You need to change the processes going on in your brain. This is magic. This is real magic, okay? Not like hocus pocus. This is real magical transformation that can happen. This is what happened to me. And by weirdness, by doing all of this stuff, when I was sick, I figured it all out by accident. Then I realized that this is Tantra, okay, and that they knew about this. And then I realized all this science. I mean, my power of attracting people is my life is just insane. Like, what's happened just with Soma in the last, like, several years, like, it's, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. It will blow your mind. Like, I, I made, the first experiment I did was, like, when I saw Uri Geller's documentary, Uri Geller was, like, um, basically, considered a charlatan like and people thought it was a bit of a joke but then suddenly this documentary came on tv which basically had like sri stanford research institute saying that he's a genuine psychic they did all these psychic tests on him then you had the head of israel the president of israel netanyahu saying he's a genuine psychic you also had um a bunch of people say that this is um there's no doubt about it. There's, there's something weird about Uri Geller. He's, he's got magical power. So I was like, fuck yeah, man. I need to attract this guy into my life, right? Like he'll be the perfect. I mean, what a, what a funny story it would be if I can use magical techniques to manifest the guy who inspired manifesting to the world, right? Because he was one of the first guys who made law of attraction and manifesting popular back in the 70s. So I did it. And then literally within a week, boom, I manifest Uri Geller and he becomes like my buddy. 
and becomes a mentor, which is just crazy shit. So use this stuff wisely. I think the reason why this stuff works for me is because I have such a pure positive intention because I made a pact. I'm going to do this to help people who are suffering. If you're using this for material gain, then what will happen is that it will backfire because that is black magic. And that's when dark shit starts happening to people. But if you have pure positive intentions, if you want to help like ease the suffering in the world and do it for pure reasons, then I think this stuff works like gangbusters. And it does work for material stuff as well. But you gotta be careful because that's when like the karma comes in, the story of, you know, the legends of laws of karma and stuff. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. That's I'm just sharing my golden nuggets of wisdom for you. Sure. And I think what you said is really important that you're doing it to help others. I always see the the other I see is a perceived other. At the end of the day, I feel in, in helping the other, you're helping yourself. I feel that everyone else is a mere reflection of, of each other. So I feel that when you have those good intentions, you're doing it in in your own highest good, but you're also doing it in the highest good, the greatest good, the highest purpose or cause you you can you can attain here while on earth and that's why you would have drawn those people near to you because they would have been like-minded similar interests and i'm sure that's why we're having this conversation right now as well uh, it's very in line with a lot of what i do and what i what i'm involved in the reason i create a lot of content is to help people and help alleviate some of the, the confusion and the delusion of the world and uh, help bring some information into the forefront so that people can investigate further and really do their own come to their own realization, their own awakening, because it, it is something where you can't lift someone up. You need to get right down beneath them. And, and then that really allows them to their spirit to get elevated. So I wanted to ask you, um, well, just, just to add on to that. I really believe your vibe attracts your tribe. So if your vibe is low, like, and it's all about greed, then you will attract a lot of greedy people. And then your, your face, the drama that will ensue being surrounded by a lot of greedy people because trust me that's a dark place to be i've been there in my my time before and it's not a good place to be but if your vibe is high if you're like positive and you're you want to be good good person you know and you have good values boom life becomes like heaven the world becomes like a heavenly place Um, and that's what we're striving for Mm-hmm. That's a lot of what I had gone through as well. I'll just give you a little brief backstory. I mean, I, I had grown up very active, very athletic, and then I had entered into that nine to five sort of, you know, mode of being. And I had started drinking heavily. I put on a bunch of weight. My gut health, was, gut, health, gut health was terrible. And I had slowly gone through this transformative process, actually just listening to books, audio books, and absorbing whatever information I could. And then I started to, you know, realize, okay, I need to make a shift here because I, I was experiencing depression and all these things that a lot of people experience in this world. And uh, I don't think this is a natural state of being for, for a human. I, uh, I try to communicate that on uh, the podcast Instagram page and, and try to get people to shift their paradigm to understanding that your natural state of one is one of harmony, bliss, love, joy, not all of these other uh, emotions that are revolving around stress and, you know, depression. And I find that, that social media is, is one of these major driving forces of depression and everything else. Aside from the fact that, you know, the information overload is there. Just the fact that a lot of people aren't opening up, aren't breathing. They're, they're constantly looking down, looking down at these devices. There's this joke that if aliens showed up on Earth, they would think that these were our rulers, you know. They would actually have some dog, right, two dogs. And I think whenever I'm on my devices... They think, oh, he's praying to, to his gods again, his technology gods, you know, because these things control our attention. And it's all about human attention, really, at the end of the day. So I think a lot of these tech companies are very aware of that, too. Um, but it's also how you use the tools, because these are also amazing things that can bring a lot of um, good in the world. So it's how do we use them? It's, it's a matter of choice, you know? Yeah, and it's really finding that balance. I, I, I still struggle with that balance sometimes because I'll be on this, you know, Instagram or social media thing. And it's like, where do I draw the line between wasting my time, expending my energy unnecessarily versus doing something of actually adding some value in someone's life? So it is really about finding, you know, a good balance there. I, I wanted to ask you if you could rewind back to 20-year-old you and if you could give that 20-year-old 
you a piece of advice, because I'm sure there's many people that are in their 20s right now, either maybe they're even going down the road of becoming a pharmacist or getting into the, the medical field. What sort of advice would you give those individuals as they're just coming up into the world and starting to discover themselves and starting to really either have or express an interest in some of this information you're presenting? Um, what, what would you what would you suggest those people do or look into or anything? Uh, I would first, I would say even yourself, sorry, even also yourself, what advice would you give yourself in that case? Yeah. 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 That's a great question as well. So I think really like what my biggest problem was, um, at a young age was I, I, cause I mean, I was unique person. I was running massive like raves when I was 20. And I was in a pretty hedonistic lifestyle and, but what it, what, what stopped me from success was my health, my energy levels and the amount of substances I was taking. So I think I would like, I would say, um, to that person, I would be like, and I have this, um, technique, I call it the average perfect day is where you figure out what is your average perfect day? And I'd give this picture of, and I think everyone needs to do this exercise for themselves. And that is to just dream up. If there was no limitations, what would that average perfect day be? And this is a day that's sustainable where it's not like going to Las Vegas and doing a bunch of cocaine and stuff. It's like a sustainable average perfect day. So where would you want to live in the world? Where would you wake up? What would your bed be like? Be specific, a little bit, but not, over the top. And then what I would say is like, is what you're doing right now heading towards that goal, right? Is the, the, the university degree you're going to do, is it heading, is it helping you get to that goal or not? Is, um, you know, that relationship you're in really serving that vision. Okay. Right. And I'd be like, okay, Basically, there are, there are people, other people out there in the, and I'd say, are there people out there in the world who are living and breathing the lifestyle that you want, really want, okay? And really go deep. And I would basically say, you know, for your physical health, you've got to start learning yoga, okay? You've got to, you've got to get into yoga, like it's, it's profound. And for your um, mindset, you need to start really following people who are successful. And I would like to basically say to my younger self that the biggest problem that you have is, is that, and here's the thing, here's, here's one of my favorite sayings, is that I equals illness. We equals wellness. Whereas the first two letters of well is we. The first letter of ill, Ill is I. Now, what most kids are, unfortunately, that I've met as well, is they, I wouldn't say all of them, but quite a few that I've met, they have this very much sense that they know everything, that they're right and their parents are wrong and everyone's full of shit, right? And I would say, like, start removing the word is out of your 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 language right and start being really curious about what's going on out there in the world because i actually thought i knew everything and i stopped learning because i was going to university and i was bored by the education you know so i got bored almost by learning and actually at that time when i was 20 the internet was around and there was a lot of knowledge on there and had i had started learning like about the internet stuff that I know now, back then, I would be a multi, multi, multi millionaire, extremely successful and all this stuff. But instead I wasted so much time literally jerking off, you know, and taking drugs and, and all of that. However, one thing I would say is have no fucking regrets, man, because everything is a learning curve, right? But you can become wise very quickly by studying people who are wise and listening to people who are wise and really believe in what they have to say. 
Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that studying people who are wise and that's exactly how it, how it gets transmuted and, and transmitted to the world. I find that that's exactly what I did. That's how, it, that's how I got out of this slump that I was in. And it was just through the books and through getting deep into that stuff. And, and it just, it kind of ignited this passion in me to, to better myself. And then once I had done that, I was like, let me start helping others do exactly the same thing. So um, I think we could end it on that note. And uh, yeah. I'd like to take this time to thank you for doing just that, helping others with your work and with your teachings and with your seminars and your, uh, your retreats and whatnot. I saw you had some coming up. Uh, would you like to take this opportunity to even just plug some of those? And uh, again, yeah. down below for people too. So I'd love to, yeah. So we have a website um, which has, it's our like online school of breathwork and pranayama and and this is called somabreath.com and we created this uh, practice which is very powerful. It can really help you learn more about yourself and bring you into balance and then there's long, longer sessions that are like DMT, psychedelic experiences. It's profound and music drives the whole thing. And we also have instructor training so if you want to become an instructor you can and we have this amazing abundance system where we really reward um, instructors um, you know, with referrals and bringing people in who buy our other products, which are in the Renegade Pharmacist, because that's my other website, the Renegade Pharmacist. We have like supplements, nutrition. We have a lot of information on um, health and wellness. It's like my brain dump of all the knowledge I've picked up over the years. Um, and we also run retreats. So the next one that's available is in Austria in July. Um, you can check, check that out on the event section on the somabreath.com site. And then we're planning stuff in America in September for teacher training and maybe another awakening retreat um, as well, which are, is our intensive like five-day retreat, uh, this, the awakening, which is amazingly profound. Right? You go through all of the practices that I picked up in a powerful system and go away with like a lot of um, self-empowering techniques. Mm, very cool. Yeah, and I see some of that on your Instagram as well. Some of the the uh, retreat photos and whatnot. It looks like a really fun yeah. group. And a lot of those. Oh, super high vibe. Yeah. Super mm. high vibe. Very cool. All right. Well, thank you again for taking the time. I appreciate it. As uh, and uh, I'm sure everyone else will as well. I'll, I'll send you all the links to this once it's up. And um, yeah, hope yourself. Uh, hope you have a great day. I assume it's kind of late in the evening there now, right? It's just quarter past eight. Not okay. Okay. It's kind of bright from what I see. It just uh, looks a little bit earlier. Yeah. No. I'm in uh, Spain, so it's nice and sunny here usually. Uh, uh, <laughs> all right. Very cool. Well, thank you again. And uh, thank you very much, my friend. Thank you much. Beautiful. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Take care. Definitely. Much love. Peace.